1: hello and welcome to what catholics believe i'm your host thomas nagley with me tonight is father william jenkins he is a member of the society of saint Pius v he's also the pastor of immaculate conception church right here in norwood ohio hello father how are you
0: very fun thank you and yourself
1: doing well father thanks for being here
0: yeah absolutely thank you
1: father the uh coronavirus the covid19 continues to dominate a lot of the the headlines and uh just this, uh, this past Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I believe, here in Ohio, the, uh, the Ohio Department of Health came out with a director's stay at home order, which has been, um, obviously impacting a lot of your, your parishioners here in the state of Ohio. And, uh, I'd like to get your take on this, Father, because there has been, um, a lot of a lot of hay made about this 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 stay at home order, and I'd like to just get, get your take on this. Do you think that this is uh, something serious, something that that we should be uh, concerned about? Do you think that this is going to negatively impact our our lives? To what extent uh, should we should we follow this stay at home order? What what is your take on all of this, Father?
0: Well, I, I think there is a clear and present danger with regard to this. Uh COVID virus, uh, <clears throat> for those who are a little confused, the, the coronavirus, right? Actually, it's not the coronavirus. There, there are different kinds of coronaviruses. So, as you know, this just to be, happens to be the coronavirus, which is COVID-19. Mm-hmm. The CO meaning for corona, the VI for virus, and the D for disease. So it's a shortening, uh, coronavirus disease. Uh, COVID-19. This is number 19 so and um, it refers to this particular pathogen that has kind of knobs that <laughs> looks like the tops of a crown uh, coming out all around it and uh, they say this is a novel virus. They haven't seen this one before and uh, so you know it, it really hasn't been tested because it is new. They they don't really know exactly what to make of it. You know, they have to observe it. And, uh, that is why medical, uh, experts are telling us they're still observing this and they're still trying to get a, a handle on, on what it is, what it does, its, uh, morbidity rate, um, how contagious it is, how it spreads and so on. Um, and, uh, so here we have a situation now where, it's come to our country and it's spreading through the states. Uh, New York is the hardest hit. I think uh, California and Washington are also hard hit. Um, we have cases here in, in Ohio as well. Um, but uh, not only do we have the virus uh, hitting think throughout the United States also in cases kind of erupting around the around the states. But we also have the, the governor, the political reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Not only on the state level, but on the national level as well. Right. And uh, is the virus itself a real concern? Yes. Is it dangerous? Yes, it is very dangerous for some people. For some rather than others. So For some more than others. Um, evidently, it's very stealthy in the way it uh, proceeds because it can be lying dormant, as it were, without symptoms, and yet be spread by those who carry it. And then all of a sudden, within a couple of days or anywhere from, what did they say, two to seven, two to nine days, it can become very, very acute. Um, So, and what you can have then is a a a sudden wave of of cases of people who need treatment, some of them even on an emergency basis. And that floods the emergency systems, uh, the medical systems in the countries and the states. And um, that's very dangerous, not only for the patients who arrive when the system is overtaxed in terms of personnel and equipment and space, beds and so on, but it also puts the medical uh, doctors and nurses at risk too. So it's, a, it's it can be a very, very serious thing that can happen Uh, very, very quickly where the situation deteriorates. In fact, I was talking to one young doctor here in Ohio who uh, was was told by his supervisors to clear out the surgical wards and put in beds because they would soon be needing them, Uh, or at least that's what the model seemed to Mm -hmm. predict. And um, so, you know, all elective surgeries were put on hold. Only life-saving surgeries were uh, performed. And uh, they were waiting for this vast wave of uh, COVID-19 sufferers to suddenly begin showing more acute symptoms and showing up all at once at their doors, uh, looking for ventilators, looking for whatever medications they had. So uh, they haven't arrived yet. But as he said, you know, once the first ones do arrive and the first coronavirus victims uh, did arrive now, just in the last few days, he said they were instructed to wait another week or may anywhere from maybe 9 to 11 days. And once they do begin coming in, you would expect in the first maybe 9 to 11 days, a great number of them arriving all of a sudden. Now, I just uh, heard from uh, the husband of a nurse who now has six coronavirus patients on her floor already. Now that doesn't sound like much, but I'm told that within the matter of a week it could be sixty. Um, that's how rapidly this this advances. And uh, uh, reading it up on this and and uh, listening to what doctors are saying, both uh, in conferences and also one-on-one conversations I've had with them, that the individual situation of the patient can go from uh, fairly moderate to extremely grave, Mm -hmm. very rapidly as uh, uh, the lungs just begin, the alveoli begin to collapse, right? Um, The fluid filling the lungs is uh, tainted with the pink color blood. So there's bleeding going on in the lungs and the lungs begin to fill very rapidly. And um, that can happen suddenly. Um, So it, it is It is not just a matter of trying to calculate the number of infections, the number of those infected, and the number of those who are dying to calculate some kind of a morbidity or mortality rate Mm -hmm. to try to compare it with other flus. This really does proceed in a different way, according to uh, the doctors whom I've spoken with, who've spoken with me. And so, yes, it is a serious matter. It's not something to be taken lightly, especially if even if it were only a matter, I say only, of those 60 years old and older being especially endangered and harder to treat ones—that yeah. is to say, more likely to, more prone to infect, catch the infection and more difficult to treat and save—in some areas they just have laid down the law: no ventilators for anyone over 65 years old. And now I understand that's down to 60 years old because they figure that you know it's almost impossible to save them. Relatively speaking, although there have been people, uh, you know, even over the age of 100 who have, you know, gotten infection and been cured, curiously enough. But now the, uh, microbe is, um, is, um, what is it, mutating. And, uh, they've seen now not just 60 somethings, but 50 and 40 something year olds, um, coming down with it. And also becoming very acute. <clears throat> so uh, it, it is something to be taken seriously. We have to be careful. Do
1: you, do you find this order justified then? The state home well, order?
0: Uh, that's a good question. I mean, justified in the sense of the law. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what the law says or how sweeping it is or how it would be interpreted by legal experts. Right. It is being invoked by uh, directors of health uh, in state governments. And... Uh, do I think that the measures that they're taking, uh, that they recommend are just? I, I do. I mean, washing your hands and uh, not coughing in, into the, you know, out into the open, <laughs> you know, covering your mouth, your nose when you cough or sneeze, um, even the social distancing, as they call mm-hmm. it. I don't like the terminology, <laughs> but the idea of just giving a little distance, yeah. it makes sense because, yeah, there is a transmission, right? Right. And it is a physical transmission. Something physical is being transmitted there. So it makes sense. Um, Obviously, uh, not everybody can do that uh, within the family and caregivers and all the rest. But uh, for them to recommend it, um, yes, it makes perfect sense to me. Okay. And uh, use hand sanitizer. I mean, these are just basic things that one would ordinarily do, just prudence. prudence itself would dictate when there is a, a flu going around, you know. Um, <clears throat> this this particular flu, though, uh, um, this particular pathogen can turn very, very deadly very quickly, though. That's the problem. So all the more reason why I think these things are perfectly justified. Uh, now, stay-at-home orders. I mean, that's pretty drastic. <clears throat> Quarantines, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty scary.
0: <clears throat> it is. Uh, the idea. Well, I understand what they're saying here. They want to flatten the curve, meaning yeah. they don't want all suddenly all of these people showing up critically ill at once, right? They don't want all of they don't want dozens or or hundreds of people showing up all at once, looking for ventilators to survive, right? So they're they're trying to spread out the infection rate. Uh, however successful or unsuccessful they've been, I don't know, I've been told by some doctors that in some areas they have just given up on containment, they're trying to figure out how do we take care of people. I was reading an article the other night about how in California, Southern California I think it was, they they just gave up on the idea of containment because they realized the cat is out of the bag, so to speak, and their efforts are not going to really be successful in containing it. Now we have the health director in... uh, in New Jersey, a woman who, who says that we're all going to catch right. this. Yeah. Okay, so so what about the ideas? Why are we locking people down then? And why are we requiring them to uh, you know go, be quarantined and lose their jobs and the businesses to shut down if they're all going to catch it anyway? And I, I wonder sometimes. Well, you have the media driving this. And then, and to a certain extent, they're driving public opinion, which drives politicians. That they feel we've got to do something because people are looking to us to do something. And they need some reassurance that we're aware of it and we're taking it seriously and we're doing something. Whether it's effective or not is somewhat beside the point, I guess, if it's a matter of satisfying public opinion. But I'd like to think there are public officials who are not just driven by public opinion or politics who really want to serve well and sincerely protect their constituents and the citizens of our country, and uh, that they're making decisions as well as they can on that basis. But again, epidemiologists are saying that we're we're making decisions on the basis of what we don't know. So much of it is unknown right now. Um, Some of them have even suggested that the other part of the equation is government uh, reaction to all of this can be very dangerous. I mean, even doctors are saying that, that they can be overreacting, And this can inflict also great harm on the population, too. Uh, Even everybody's damaging, if not more damaging, than the virus itself. To take away rights, uh, one epidemiologist out... uh, Where was he? Uh, uh, Well, actually, no, this was a uh, uh, a gentleman who holds four degrees from MIT. Said that, from his point of view, that this is being used by deep state to, uh, to consolidate its powers. And so, we know that there will always be politicians who will say what Rahm Emanuel said and what uh, Hillary Clinton said at 9-11. It is important not to waste a good crisis when they see an opportunity. And uh, I'm afraid we do have those, we definitely have those, here in America and around the world, who will see this as an opportunity to uh, affect social engineering change in our country, which will massively change our country. Uh, well, possibly even to a socialist communist paradise, as they like to think of it, uh, as a police state. Mm-hmm. And um, so there, there are moves being made now that are very concerning. I would like to know myself, although I don't know anyone else who's raised the question, I'd like to know uh, what George Soros' money is doing in all of this. Because I can't imagine George Soros sitting back and watching this.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, he's on the forefront, or he likes to think of himself as being on the forefront of all the social engineering causes throughout the world, even. And I'd sure like to know uh, where George Soros factors into all this and where his money is at work and in, in what he's trying to accomplish here.
1: But, but Father, if you really believe that, that this is uh, being used, you know, to, to affect the social engineering, like you say, then should we not be complying with these, uh, with these mandates, well, these orders that are coming down?
0: If there is a real threat from the virus, then we, we need to, to comply. For the common good. I mean, we need to. It's as simple as that. You We're know, required to. It's a moral obligation to do that. Um, you know one might even ask about mass attendance we know there are justifying reasons why a person would not be committing a sin in attending mass on sunday we know that right you know moral theologians have said this for many years the church has approved their teachings and uh, a mother with a sick child a mother who herself is sick or a healthy person even going to a place where many people are sick uh there are moral issues involved here uh that might make it sinful to go uh, to a place like that even if you know, as to attend Mass. So there are justifying causes for missing Mass on Sunday. Of course, we have to sanctify the day as well as we can, wherever we are, right? And we're trying to make that possible. Um, But um, So there are certain things that that are just necessary to do, and there are certain mandates that are certainly within the realm of uh, legitimate government power to require for the common good, That's a Catholic concept, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, The trouble is to, how do you identify government overreach? And uh, there are many people suffering now uh, who don't have the virus. For everyone who does have it and shows symptoms, whether mild or moderate or severe, for every one of those, there's another 1,000 or 10,000 or a 100,000 people who are suffering the consequences um, due to Loss of work, uh, wages, uh, the downturn of the economy—it's as though the the entire country is, well, I can't say brought to its knees. If our country would be brought to its knees and fold their hands and pray, I'd say, well, uh, I would say that that would serve some purpose. You know, we have some hope of getting out of this mess, but unfortunately, it's like our country is laying flat, prostrate in the dust, face down, or in the mud right now, and. you know, they're talking about people uh, who are now confined to quarters, who are, uh, you know, nonstop watching Netflix. Who knows what? And uh, and ordering uh, marijuana. In, uh, that, that that business has spiked. Now, how on that? How on the world is that going to get us out of this crisis? Because it really is a judgment of God against us. Whether people like to think of it that way or even like to hear it is, is immaterial. It is. I mean, this is an evil. And all of these evils were unleashed in the world due to sin. And this one is here because of our sins. And the solution, of course, is to plead for God's mercy. The solution is not to shut down the mass, the true mass and the churches and the people going to it and receiving our Lord and Holy Communion. The solution is what the church has always done and that is gather the people to pray, to beg God's mercy. That's what the church has always done. And uh, very successfully so, I'd have. So that's what we need to be trying to do, too. What about in the churches? I mean, are we to observe the mandate of six feet separation? If we can, reasonably. And I think we probably can. There are ways to deal with that. It's a little awkward, but it's a little bit of an adjustment, that's all. Um... If everybody washed their hands and sneezed into a handkerchief or their sleeve, as some of these mandates require, if everybody did that, maybe it wouldn't be necessary. But they don't, not everyone does that. Um, There are children who certainly don't or won't. um, Haven't learned that yet. But uh, there are also adults who who are very careless about that too. So... um, you know, personally, when I first heard of this social distancing, I shook my head and thought, well, this, is, uh, this doesn't make sense. But actually, uh, it, it can be applied in a right way. At least. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we, we really should comply by reasonable mandates that seem to have a, that, that appear to have some genuine connection with the prevention of de- disease spread, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we can take uh, the advice of, the common advice of medical experts we trust and saying that this is the right thing to do, this, this is a good thing to do for us. Um, I think we just have to be very wary of government overreach. Yeah, and uh, President Trump seems to be very much aware of it too. He says we've got to be careful not to make the cure worse than, worse than the disease.
1: Yeah, and and Father, with this particular stay-at-home director stay-at-home order for Ohio, I, I think. Um, having read through at least probably half of it myself, it, it seems to me to be more more bark than bite. Um, because, you know, I think, like I said, that the title, it sounds kind of scary, a uh, director's stay-at-home order. But, but reading through it, there's... Um, there's an exception for for almost anything. It seems like um, you know they they say here that you know you can leave for essential activities such as health and safety, necessary supplies and services, outdoor activities, certain types of work to take care of others. Mm-hmm. They have a list of of essential business operations that are permitted to continue. There's. Um, Right. Many many government agencies, stores that sell groceries and medicines, food, beverage, licensed marijuana production and agriculture. Oh that's very
0: important. And noticed um, that they do specifically mention yeah. churches. Yeah, religious entities. Yeah, as being essential services. Yes. And you know that's something remarkable about yeah. Ohio. Yeah. You know uh, the Democratic governor of Kentucky, newly mm-hmm. elected and installed. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things he mentioned over this was shutting down the churches. Yeah. The first, his first thing came to mind, evidently. And um, and also now in in uh, New York there's a stay at home issue right there's a uh, in California a very draconian stay at home issue yeah. they're even watching people by drones and ordering them uh, by drone in order of speaking to them, telling them to get home again go back home and in Illinois we have another right. And I guess uh, Indiana and uh, a couple of other places now. Louisiana, also the same day yesterday as Ohio. Louisiana issued Mm -hmm. a stay-at-home order. But one thing I noticed about this is, in Ohio, um, both the governor and the director of health, the health director, are very, I would say, moderate. They exercised real moderation. Yeah, I think so. Very realistic and uh, moderation in what they expect. And uh, they, I think that inspires a certain confidence because I think it shows that they have a certain confidence in the people of Ohio, that they will exercise caution and be prudent about this. Notice that all of those things you read there are all still subject to that, (coughs) the hand washing and the coughing into the, whatever, sleeve or handkerchief. And the distancing, and the six feet that they want in businesses, they want people uh, to be spread out, right, not confined in in closed quarters where they can spread disease. They want people in line to be spread out. So they're just asking for basic, ordinary, um, common sense sense. (laughs) measures, really. Um, But I was particularly gratified by the fact that in Ohio, both when the governor spoke, I think it was March 12th closing down the schools and coming up with no gatherings of 50 people or more he exempted the churches explicitly and in this order from the health director uh she and her name is Amy Acton Dr. Amy Acton she specifically called numbers the churches and places of worship as essential services which yes. I I really appreciate you know yeah. uh, I I'm glad that's at least in this state of the, of the union, people realize that, uh, really that is essential and we mm-hmm. need to pray to god and, and ask for his help and his mercy
1: father what what do you make of of this we we've heard that uh, that some traditional catholic churches are uh, they're instituting uh, mass signups um and they mm-hmm. they're, they're placing a cap on the number of parishioners number of faithful that can attend mm-hmm. mass they have a sign-up sheet um, if you're not on this sign-up sheet and the, the cap is reached they may exclude you from attending mass what, what do you think about that
0: well, I've heard of that, and I think what they're doing is they're trying to show uh, compliance, that they're seriously trying to comply. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, I've seen these, uh, and, and I don't know that they're actually doable in the practical order, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of uh, you know having something to show for our good faith efforts, trying to forestall yeah. any more government, um, restrictions, I, I think that's what's motivating it. And I can see that. I mean, if, if they're in a state where they fear that the government is going to be watching them and looking for opportunities, or even not, if, even not looking for opportunities, uh, looking for breaches and, and and swooping in and saying, well, you're not doing what we told you to do, so we're going to uh, really get tough now. Uh, if you lived in a state like that, then I guess that's what you would have to do. Okay. But uh, you know, fortunately, I'm very grateful to God that I, I don't think we live in a state like that. From what the uh, governor and the health director have done here in Ohio, they don't seem to be of that mind. Um, just last Sunday, uh, actually yesterday, uh, our people were coming out of the doors of the church after First Mass, and some female jogger, I, I don't know, the diet probably a twenty-something started yelling at her, she was running by and started yelling at our people coming out of church, saying we were breaking social norms and violating social health or something, and society, doing something against society, and she was going to report us, and we were going to be on the 6 o'clock news. And Well, I mean, this is the kind of thing you have happen in a, in a police state. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I can understand people are very, very scared about all of the sensationalism and even with some medical professionals are calling a lot of hype going around about this I understand people are scared about that but uh, when you start inculcating in people that those who uh, are following the norms actually laid down yeah. by the you know by the governor and they're attacked by these people who have their own mm. idea of what people others should be doing and they're going to turn you into the gashapo or what they hope will come and shut you down that's a very bad sign um, I I hope it never comes to that <laughs> here in our country. By the way, to my knowledge, we were not on the six eleven news. And uh, <clears throat> if a reporter had shown up from some of the major news stations locally, I would have been happy to sit down with him and talk to him. <laughs> but no one did. So, uh, And we didn't have any of the uh, uh, local police come either. And uh, if they had, I'm sure they would have been very cordial and uh, very reasonable, and uh, they always have been very helpful, yeah. so I have a lot yeah. of confidence in them too. So uh, you know, I, I, these, are, these are very distressing times, they're very traumatic times for many people. Um, but I, I do think we should do as much as we can to allay those fears. Uh, and I personally have the policy in mind to comply with whatever norms I I possibly can um, within conscience, you know, as long as they're consistent with my my faith, that that's what I will do. I would consider it to be a moral obligation to do so. Um, To the extent that I think uh, a command is harmful and might even do more harm than good, I mean, that's another issue. If I think that it's... In a sense, betraying our country into the hand of uh, uh, a totalitarian regime or something like that, or even even actually ed, ed, uh, undermining the health of the people. I mean, some of these some of these orders going on now are like you, you know go in and don't come out, and if you're out, we're going to find you and we're going to send you back in or do something you know um, do something to you. Like in New Jersey, they said we're going to enforce this. Well. There's a there's another aspect of this whole thing. I mean, when uh, when spring comes and we get more sunny days and they're warmer days, uh, you know, you get more vitamin D produced by the sun, and vitamin D3 is one of the major things to help us to overcome viruses. I mean, viruses tend to dissipate; they tend to go away at those times of year, and part of the reason is because we're living healthier lifestyles because we're not locked up inside in the shadow and and all pent up with other people at close range and we can get out and get some sun and some fresh air and these quarantine eyes they're they're diametrically opposed to that very notion and here we are approaching spring right so um you know i think we need doctors to uh speak up more on that on that uh matter too Mm -hmm. Uh, of when the orders do more harm than good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, in any case, you know, <clears throat> there are so many concerned that this is being used as an opportunity uh, by the leftist social engineers <clears throat> and the radical revolutionary types who want to impose a totalitarian government, socialist government on the United States, that you can turn a pandemic into pan- pandemonium uh pandemonium actually is an interesting word pan meaning all and daemonium, devils right Um, so uh, we have to make sure that what is starting as a pandemic or you know the problem fundamental problem they say is a pandemic that it becomes pandemonium that it leads to anarchy and tyranny that's what we uh we have to be sure that that doesn't happen Mm um the first step in all of this is obviously to pray to god for mercy uh because whatever evil it is whether it's the virus or whether it's whether it's the pandemic or the pandemonium either one i mean it's going to be a punishment from god for sin mm. so we need to go to that we need to address that issue repent of our sins to god and beg him for mercy we need to pray the rosary we need to pray the rosary assiduously We need to follow the mass Attend the mass if at all possible, or at least follow it. Um, we're live streaming the masses, as you know, at Immaculate Conception. Uh, some fine gentlemen put a lot of hours of work into making that happen, and I'm very grateful to them for that. Uh, last, just last Sunday, I understand, in the course of uh, the three masses I offered here Sunday morning, we gradually had about three thousand views of those masses alone, really. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's nice <laughs> to see that. Uh, hopefully it'll be 30,000 for those, you know, of those who can't or would not otherwise be able to attend Mass on Sunday will tune in at What Catholics Believe on Sunday morning and to uh, at least participate remotely in spirit with the Masses there. They're seeing it in real time. Mm-hmm. So I hope that that holds true. But um we also need to understand something. You know You look at this virus, the coronavirus, the crown virus. Corona well there's the Greek word, the Latin word corona means crown, right? You're aware of that. And it looks like a crown. <clears throat> The, the word virus comes from an old Latin root word meaning poison or venom, like a snake's venom, the bite of a serpent. <clears throat> and um, I think we need to relate that at this time of year. We need to relate that to our Lord's crown of thorns. Of all things, we need to do during this lenten season we need to kind of relate what is happening to us in our country and all the troubles all the anxieties and even trauma we need to somehow relate that all to our lord and his passion and what can be more more uh perfectly related to this than a virus of that type and, and the crown of thorns that our lord wore and to try to uh, make that connection in our own minds and realize, okay, this is what our Lord is asking of me now. Our Lord wants me to do this for him now. He did that for me. He allowed that to happen to him. He was willing to wear that crown of thorns for me. He was willing to allow them to weave it, place it on his head, and hammer it into his head with that rod. And um, he was willing to do that for me. And maybe maybe this is something I can do for my Lord now. Um certainly must try to overcome evils, let's try to resist them, but insofar as our Lord is asking me to carry them and I can't escape them or resist them, then I will do so lovingly for him. It's a matter of love for him. So uh, we're all in a sense wearing that crown of thorns because of this particular corona. Uh, it's affecting us all and it's, it's inconveniencing us all. Um, and for some, it's actually, it's actually killing them in a rather horrific way. But whether it's just a matter of the trauma of going to the store and seeing the shelves empty, or you know, having to go through sp- special hoops and <clears throat> arrangements to do the most fundamental things, or even being told to stay home <coughs> at a time like this, yes, it is... It is uh, it goes against the grain, especially our American grain. It goes against our American grain. And you know something? I hope it always does. I hope we never get used to it. I hope we never accept that as being the normal, natural thing to do. But sometimes it is a necessary thing to do. Sometimes our Lord requires of that. Uh, as, as he was willing to suffer for us, he asks us to do this in good grace for him and offer it to him. And, you know, when we do that, uh, we're doing one of the most important and powerful things we can do. When we're offering to our Lord, the crosses, as our Lord said, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross every day and come after me, you must follow me, follow my example. Well, that's the example our Lord said. So instead of blustering and griping and complaining and fussing and breathing threats of slaughter and everything because um, whatever, you know, uh, whatever inconveniences or, or troubles we're experiencing, Maybe this is what our Lord wants of us now, this Lent. We also have, by the way, another aspect of it, and the word quarantine. Well, you know, Lent is quadragesima. Well, carême. Carême, it comes from like basically a shortened form of, in French quadragesima, the forty days of Lent. Well, quarantine means forty. It's a it's a 40-day period of being sequestered. And so it seems ironic that here we're talking about quarantines. During quadragesima, that period of time when we actually are called upon to fast and abstain out of love for our Lord, for penance, for our sins. What a perfect opportunity this is. So if we can't escape it, if we just have to deal with it, well, let's at least deal with it gracefully. If we can't, if we can't escape it and, uh, we have to, we have to deal with it. Let's at least deal with love for our Lord and have something to offer for him to him to have something to offer to him in reparation for our sins um, that that would turn what otherwise would be a very frustrating uh, exercise of um, even in, in in anger and uh, and uh I don't know you know the summit would even be rage, I suppose uh into something that would be very beautiful and very acceptable to God if we could do this for love of him. He did so much more for the love of us, you know and uh by when I say that again, I mean I don't want to suggest that uh, we should just say, well, let's abandon our country to socialist dictatorship uh let's go live in the in the in the closets in the basements of our homes and accept that as being you know wonderful. I'm not saying that. Accept that as as being the norm for us. I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that right now if we're ever going to return to what we formerly called normal, a normal way of life without all of these restrictions we have to become a moral people again. Our founders pointed that out, that the only people can be trusted with the freedom that they wrote into the American Constitution, the only people to be trusted with at liberty are people who can govern themselves personally with true liberty, not with license. One of the reasons we're in this mess now is because we've... Exchanged liberty abandoned liberty for license. I think we can do anything we please a very liberal leftist mentality, you know but um, a very dangerous one Because that's the quickest way to lose liberty The people who can't govern themselves have to be locked up Have to be controlled if they can't control themselves. They have to be controlled. That's the way. It's always been there are populations of people in the world today who have always lived under a kind of tyranny, some, some strong man who govern, governs them, because they've never gotten to the point where they can actually seemingly govern themselves and maintain that government, uh, because of self-government and self-control in terms of right and wrong, good and evil. Um, there are those societies that have had it and lost it as the morality of the people has dissipated as they as they became dissipated morally dissipated i'm afraid our own people uh, might be the you know uh, following that pattern and i like to think that, uh, that this is god's way of having mercy on us saying i am calling you back from the edge there and i haven't abandoned you and i want you to be willing to humble yourselves come to me like the people of nineveh god sent jonah to nineveh and the king of Nineveh repented, became the first one, right? Come down from his throne, took off his robes, put on the sackcloth, sat in ashes, dumped the ashes over his head. I mean, he made a public display of repentance for everyone to follow and gave the command that everyone would follow them, And uh, they did. And, and God had mercy on them. A very large city. And how large, we don't know. There was... It took three days to walk across from one end of the city, edge of the city to the other. That's how large it was. In those days, that was a pretty good-sized city. Uh, and God spared them for that. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that he would do the same for us now if we could just hear the voice of, uh, well, I don't know who our modern-day Jonah is now, but, uh, but I think the voice is still loud and clear mm-hmm. that uh, this is what we need to do. We need to repent of our sins and accept the consequences um as a matter of uh of love for god uh if we made that the idea of this lenten season we would accomplish a great deal
1: mm-hmm. and father i think perhaps there's another spiritual lesson that we can can learn from this i know that if someone compared these uh these measures that we're taking to avoid the occasions of, of this virus we could compare those in any kind of spiritual mm-hmm. sense to the measures that, that we should Take to avoid the occasions of sin, and, and it seems there seems to be a lot of parallels. I, I think, and that, right in right that right. idea where if um, you know we. We have this this stay-at-home order. We're, we're told to, to avoid crowds, to avoid going out as much as possible. While if you were to a- apply that to the, the spiritual life, then of course, yes, we should avoid going out into the world as much as possible. We should stay interiorly within ourselves, recollected as much as we can. We should wash our hands, we're told, just as we should w- wash our souls with, with confession. We should fortify our immune system with, with vitamins just as we should. Fortify our spiritual immune system with prayer, and so I think that there's a lot of um, yeah, absolutely right. A lot of parallels there that we could learn from. Yeah,
0: you know, if one if one uh, would provide for his spiritual life, avoiding spiritual dangers and doing what makes him spiritually strong, mm-hmm. with the same care that yeah. is being applied here to try yeah. to a- avoid any contact, any encounter with this virus. Yeah. My goodness, we'd have a nation of saints in no time, right? Okay. If they just applied the same principles. Um what a transformation it would be maybe this is god's message right now, maybe, so I'm glad you brought that up because it is so true yeah. I think it's I think it's a, a message that would resonate with a lot of our our viewers too, and say, yeah, you know that really does apply yeah. every one of these things sneezing into your sleeve <laughs> or into a handkerchief and washing your hands and uh distance even distancing yourself from any you know wherever there might be a danger. yeah, the church has taught this for many centuries now, so um I, uh, we'd better close because I feel a sermon coming up. <laughs> but I Fun. think you, you already gave yeah. it. Father, so. <laughs> well, thanks for being
1: here tonight. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate time. your time. Thank you for your, uh, for your guidance during these times as Thank well. Thank you. God yeah. bless you. Yeah. to all, all of our viewers. Yeah, time. definitely. Thanks to all of our viewers for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.